It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December eighth, two thousand sixteen. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with. You. Let me get yeah, your I get your microphone. Yeah, there we go. Get close to that. It's good to be with you. Your microphone <laughs> would like to be with you too. Yeah, it's good to be here. And uh, Josh is behind the controls. Josh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Glad good to be here. here. We look forward to your comments as well. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. You do so by uh, giving us a call at 877-381-4567. That's toll-free. Lines are open, and ready, the line is open and ready for you to call in. And uh, you send an email to questions at collegeview.com. And if you want to be heard immediately, you send a chat in uh, the chat window to the bottom of your video feed. If you're listening to us live, you're listening to us in the recording, we welcome your comments at any time. Questions and you can still at correspond with us. Yeah, we'd love to hear from listeners. Questions at collegeu.com anytime. And uh, submit a, a topic that you'd like to have discussed or just a, a random question about the scriptures, uh, something spiritual that you'd like to have discussed. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be something that you don't know the answer to necessarily. It doesn't. If you, if it's just something that, and we may not know the answer either, for that matter. But if it's just something you think would make a worthy discussion, or maybe just, just, or you just want to make sure that you that the answer you think is the, uh, the your understanding is the same as what other people understand yeah. about it. So and we, we love those around. kind of programs we did last week, where we take five or six different sort of random questions and. They don't have to be something that you can talk an hour about. You know, We yeah. like those that we can talk 10 or 15 minutes about. Okay. Questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you on the program. Just, and if you just want to send us an email, tell us where you're listening. Uh, you don't have to give us your name. Just say, hey, I'm listening in uh, wherever. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of that. Uh, I, I get uh, more of that, Jacob, I, in, in person. When, we, when we're away, right. when we're visiting, you've had that experience, too. You know, right. people, people will come up to us and say, yeah, we like to... A lot of them are podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. I, we get a lot of podcast listeners. We're glad for it. Uh, but you know, if you get a chance, send us an email. Just tell us where you're at and what you're, where you're listening, and how you're listening. Yeah, my wife would have a little joke. You know, we've got the the sticker on the back of our car that says the virtualbibleday.com. Well, I get honked at occasionally when I'm driving. And, uh, but my, a lot of that time's because it's the way you drive. Well, that's it, 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 that's why I get honked. that's why I get honked. But I just tell my wife, well, they just like the virtual Bible state. That's why they're honking. But she's she doesn't buy it. So all right, okay, all right, okay. Hey, listen, I don't think it's too early for us to begin to hype uh, uh, an event here at College View in January. This is December. We're moving mm-hmm, on, right? Uh, January 28th and 29th. That's a fr- uh, excuse me. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. January 28th and 29th. Uh, Ken McDaniel, who preaches in Springfield, Illinois, he's a preacher that we help to support in his preaching work in Springfield, Illinois. He's trying to get a church uh, off the ground there. They, there has not been a, uh, a, a conservative congregation in that area uh, for some time, and he's trying to get that going. has been working at it real hard, I think, for the last couple of years. And uh, he's going to come, and on Saturday at 4 o'clock and at 7 o'clock, he's going to bring a couple of lessons that are especially geared toward young people, although we're inviting everybody to come Saturday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and 7 o'clock in the evening. We're going to have a couple of lessons uh, addressed toward our young people, yeah. but we want everybody to come. Uh, so start talking that up, and then on Sunday we'll have our regular morning services and an early afternoon service at 2.30 Sunday afternoon. But at at one of those, uh, I'm not sure how Ken will want to do that, but one of those, he's going to try to bring us up to speed on the work he's doing in Springfield, Illinois. He's doing some good work up there. You'll, yeah. We'll want to hear about that, and uh, you'll, you'll appreciate hearing his messages. So uh, be making plans to come uh, the last Saturday and Sunday in January of 2017. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, to our update list earlier today, Jacob, we sent out a message, as we always do, long about 11 o'clock Central Time. That'd be probably noon if you're in the Eastern Time Zone and so forth. 
but we try to let you know what we're planning to talk about on our program and ask some questions, seeking feedback, but at least giving you a chance to think about what we're going to be discussing. Today, to our update list, get on our update list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, put me on the list. We'll do it. And if you were on it today, you would have got these questions. Comment on these faulty approaches in measuring spiritual maturity. Now, what we want to do is we want to be able to measure our spiritual maturity. I think that's very important for each of us to do that sort of thing. Right. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, Paul said, let each one examine his own work. And in Second Corinthians 13, verse 5, uh, Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. So the idea of doing some personal evaluation, how am I doing spiritually, very important. The problem is, I think an awful lot of people use some faulty standards of judgment. Uh, and we ask you to comment about that. Comment on these faulty approaches in measuring spiritual maturity. One, comparing yourself to others. Two, trying to figure out a minimum standard and then attempting to do just that. Uh, number three, seeking a balance between the extremes of not too religious but no uh, versus no religious religion at all. You know, I don't want to be fanatical. I want to have some religion, but I don't have too much religion. And I'm trying to strike a happy balance there okay. is the approach some people use. And then some people, I think, will have what I would call a checklist mentality. We'll probably have to explain what we mean yeah. about that. Yeah. So we think those are some faulty ideas. Uh, there are probably others. And if you know of some other ideas that you think people use to sort of judge themselves, maybe to appease themselves that they're not all that bad, send us those ideas. And then after we talked about that, we want to talk about uh, what are some of the real basics of spiritual maturity what are the, some of the things we need to have if we're going to be truly spiritually mature people and we, we want to talk about knowledge and application of god's word uh, our steadfastness our determination our continuance in serving god controlling the tongue our love of others our growing our our our, our growth path our history of growing and so forth and there may be others we'll add to that too all right, so uh, we want to hear from you on the program tonight. Give us a call, send us an email, or sign in the chat room tonight. You know, this idea of uh, of measuring our spiritual maturity, thats uh, we do that in physical things. We uh, do a health uh, checkup on our health. We want to know how we're doing on our physical health. Uh, we may do have a financial checkup. We may go I keep to someone. hearing people on the radio, you know, offering, you know, we'll do a, a, a checkup of your uh, financial planning if toward retirement. Uh, but they usually require that you have a certain minimum that, amount of money. That, that threshold <laughs> that they take it over. If, yeah. if, if I was to well, call in, they'd just laugh at me and say, yeah. forget you. You're yeah. obviously yeah. not yeah. ready. Yeah. That or you, you, you know, seasons change. People get checkup or tune-ups on their cars. Or, or their air conditioning, their heating system. Yeah. So, but when it comes to our spiritual lives, we just sort of go around uh, maybe just ignorant and uh, just not paying attention. So yeah. we do need to do some evaluation. Yeah. So let's start out with this first one. I think I think this may be one of the most prevalent means that people use to try to justify themselves and and, and to give themselves the feeling that they're doing okay. You know, I think I'm doing okay. And the reason why I think I'm doing okay is because I look around and I see other people and I think I'm doing better than they are. And so I compare myself to others. There's some bad people out there in the world. And even in the religious world, there's some there's some pretty really weak Christians, and I feel like I'm stronger than that, and so I must be doing okay. I've, I've, as I look around and see what others are doing, I think I'm doing okay. You know, as as ridiculous as it may sound, that certainly is a, a, a guide and a standard that many use. I mean, if you talk about you, if you vocalize it, it, it seems very ill-advised. Yet there are many people that are doing it. And the passage that comes to mind immediately is that passage in. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, where Paul said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Yeah, it's an unwise thing to try to draw a, a judgment about your spiritual status by comparing to others. I've, I've kind of jokingly made the observation, although I, I think literally it would have to be true. There's potentially only one guy in the world who can't find someone worse than himself to point a finger at. You know, yeah, he, he, he's yeah. the theoretically worst person in the world. There's no one worse than him. But with the exception of that single guy, 
Everybody else has somebody they could point at and say, at least I'm better than he is. Yeah. You know, but what does that prove? Yeah. What does that prove at all? And uh, the the problem is that we are using well, we might, we're not necessarily using the strongest Christian even even at that we're not using the strongest Christians as our measuring block we're using usually using somebody in the world or somebody who, or somebody a Christian who's incredibly weak yeah and so, uh, so we're not even using the highest standard that we could with that faulty standard yeah. many times yeah yeah Josh yeah. any thoughts. Yeah, I was just thinking on Judgment Day, it's not going to be acceptable to say, well, at least I was better than... Look at that guy. What, what about that guy? What about that guy? Right. You know? yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not the standard that we're going to be judged by. So uh, you got to you got to find the standard. It's not just how good or how bad everybody else is doing. I think exactly right. Yeah, I was thinking of the example, the Apostle Paul. Uh, and he when, he when he told about his former life before he became a Christian, when he was, in fact, persecuting Christians. And so he was diametrically opposed to God's will. He was doing just the exact opposite of what he should have been doing. But in Galatians chapter 1, beginning verse 13, he said, You have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation. Notice he said, Being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Paul said there wasn't anybody more zealous than I was in his peer group there. Yeah, he was he was ranking pretty high. Yeah, and yet he was just as wrong as he could be, and and you know utterly lost spiritually. He thought he was doing pretty good. He thought he was doing very good, in fact, but he was utterly lost. And it's just this isn't the uh, the folks who don't care anything about spiritual things that are doing this. I mean, it's it, it's a tendency that we all have to be careful of is that we look at those around us and we say, well. I seem to be on par. I seem to be doing what I need to be doing. You know, even in a local congregation, I think all of us probably. So I know my brethren in the local congregation, and there are some of them that I think are working really hard and doing really good things for the Lord. But that's not the one I want to compare to. What I, The one that I want to compare to is this guy who only comes about half the time, doesn't know, you know, uh, uh, anything about the scriptures, uh, couldn't answer a serious Bible question if he if his life depended on it. Who am I comparing myself? Am, am I am I comparing myself with this guy these, this guy over here who's just really exemplary in his spiritual life, or am I? Well, the one I think the tendency would be to compare myself to that weak guy and say I'm better than that. But the fact of the matter is, comparing myself to either one of those people is the wrong way to go. You know, and it's dangerous for a congregation, too, because, uh, I don't know, you don't want to judge, but you go to, you visit certain congregations that are obviously weak, and you wonder if that's not why, because they all, they just sort of look at the average, and I'm right there, and and over time, that, that level sort of decreases a little bit, but everybody stays at that level, and we're happy. Yeah. We're not striving to uh, comply with a strict standard. We're just complying with the standard of everybody else, and over time that goes downhill, and we think everything's fine. Yeah. All right. So, uh, again, I think it's important it's for us to not use that. Very dangerous. Comparing to others uh, mentality. Kent well, in Georgia wrote in by email and said, uh, when we compare ourselves to others, we are using the wrong standard. We need to use the scriptures as the only standard for what we believe and practice. Second Corinthians ten twelve, which you referenced earlier, Jacob, I think exactly right. Uh, and then we have an email from Gail who writes, A lot of times people make comparisons because they feel either superior or inferior to others. When we realize we are all equal and sinful, we tend to look more at ourselves to correct ourselves. We need to keep in mind that no matter how much wrong someone has done to us, our own sin that we did against Christ is worse than anything anyone ever did to us. This helps to keep keep things in perspective so we don't compare ourselves to others. And also, 2 Corinthians 10:12 says that those who compare themselves with others lack understanding. That's right. Exactly right. All right. So everyone's picking up on that uh, passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. That comes to mind. That's an excellent uh, comment. And uh, appreciate it, Gail and uh, 
And uh, can't for those comments tonight. Philip in the chat room says he's looking forward to the discussion. Not enough people think about spiritual maturity, whether it's necessary or the importance in our walk with God. And for some of us, of those who do, as will be discussed, think of it in the wrong way or by the wrong means. Then uh, to the point about comparing ourselves um, to others, uh, Philip says this is the, there is a reason why the Hebrew writer says we are to look to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, is, it is in part because uh, it, it is that perfect example. God had said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord added, hear ye him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think Philip's exactly right. If you want somebody to compare to, there's who you compare to. That's the only one that you only could. Only standard to use. That's the only one you could compare to. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get a break. When we get back, uh, the minimum standard technique. Uh, trying to figure out what the minimum is and then making sure you meet that. That's the old uh, set the bar low and you'll be sure you can get over it Yeah, kind of thing. Uh, is that the way to do it? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Jeremy Frelix. I'm a member of uh, College View Church of Christ here in Columbia, Tennessee, and I have a few words to say. Occasionally, we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. They're afraid that there will be some resentment in their children later if religion had been crammed down their throats. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, etc. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it this such a common sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to let the kids decide for themselves when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There is a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their views of God begin to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depths of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to decide for themselves, the adults are almost guaranteeing that the youngsters will decide in the negative. God's Word has always taught us the truth on the subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Here's some quotes worth pondering. A person can feel good without really being good. Don't trust feelings. Trust the Word of God. An angry person is seldom reasonable. A reasonable person is seldom angry. Unresolved anger leads to bitterness. If you don't live it, You don't really believe it. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, and uh, we're talking about uh, measuring our spiritual maturity. It is important. Uh, God expects us to do that, and we ought to want to do it just by default. I mean, something as critical as our spiritual well-being, we ought to be doing some analysis uh, but there's some dangers in analysis, the analysis and analyzing with the wrong standard. Yeah, we want to talk about another one that we put out there as a as a a wrong approach, and that is trying to figure out what's the bare minimum the, that needs to be done, and see if I can just get to that and no more. Uh, you know. Uh, that, this idea has been expressed in a lot of different ways through years. I, I remember some people saying, you know, I, you know, they talk about mansions in heaven. I don't need a mansion. I just had a shack just on the outskirts of town. That'd be good enough for me, you know, just as long as I was in heaven, which was kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, con- uh, representation of this concept of just enough to get by, just enough to sneak in the pearly gates. I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to do any more than I have to. And in real practical terms, I've heard people offer this question. Where does it say that I have to come to church services on Wednesday night for Bible study? If you can show me in the Bible where it says I have to be there, I'll be there. But if you can't prove to me that it's absolutely mandated in Scripture, I'm not doing it. 
You know, and it, I think the people who express that notion have this idea of, I just want to do the least that I have to do to get by. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with that approach? You know, would, would, a, would a Christian who targets the bare minimum, would that be good enough? Well, uh, that question is so easy, I'm going to let the board operator uh, answer that <laughs> one. No. <laughs> no, what about it, Josh? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're just trying to do the bare minimum, then... You can't say you're doing good. I mean, you got it's a it's a serious attitude problem. You'd have to think. Yeah, about. it really is. I mean, if you if you're willing to do what's right, you want to do what's right, you want to please God, then you're gonna, I mean, you're gonna put all of your effort into it. I mean, it's not just gonna be like, well, I'll just kind of do whatever I, I feel is necessary. I mean, no, you're gonna you're gonna do what, uh, you know, you're gonna put a hundred percent effort into everything. You well, know, yeah, and, I, and and that's what the Lord requires. The the, the 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 I think the real answer to the person who wants to say, I just I don't want to do any more than I have to. I'll do everything I have to, but I don't don't yeah. expect me to do more than. I, the problem with that is that the Lord expects us to do everything we can. He uh, expects it to be all consuming. Our 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 service to him mark 12 verse 30 thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength this is the first commandment you know that certainly doesn't sound like just let me sneak by let me do the least i can possibly do uh Jesus, uh, in the Beatitudes, at the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What we need to have is this: is the craving of a starving man for doing the righteousness of God. Righteousness, for righteousness, for, be, for doing good, yeah. for being for obedient, what's right. for serving God. Yeah. We can't get uh, enough of it. Yeah, we, we just it, if you think about how, and I understand that the words Jesus used there for hunger is the hunger of a starving man. If you can think how how intense a starving man would be to try and get something to eat, Jesus said that's how intense we need to be about wanting to do the righteousness of God, and that goes completely against this idea of just let me sneak by on the bare minimum. Well, you know, it needs to, you need to step back and uh, evaluate your uh, opinion of uh, serving God. Is it some type of plague? You know, is it like eating your broccoli or something that you you, you just sort of got to choke it down, or is it something that is uh, is do we view it as something for our good that we we realize what a blessing it is that God has given us yeah, instructions? I think the people who have that view just don't realize that this God's is trying to save you from yourself. Yeah, it's it's what's best for you, not what yeah. not just some miserable pill you have to swallow, but this is what's best for it's you. It's not like take your medicine now and then you may sneak in and get that mansion and it'll all be worth it. Uh, God said that he's given you the best way to live this life here and now. And uh, going to heaven in other words is just sort of icing on the cake, but it's a it's an added bonus. Uh, you ought to live this way if there were no afterlife. If this was all there there was to it, this is the way you ought to be living your life. That's what God says. Exactly right. All right. <clears throat> Kent in email says, when we use the minimum standard approach, we have the tendency to have a lower minimum than what is found in the scriptures. Well, I think that's right. I think we would excuse ourselves for doing less than expected. But, uh, you know, uh, I just think the whole idea of that minimum approach is, is wrong. But as Kent says, if you tried it, you'd almost certainly set a standard lower and then the scriptural standards for how we should live. Uh, Gail says a minimum standard comes from a saved by works mindset. I think that's right. I think that's exactly the problem. The Bible shows that we are saved by grace through a living faith, which involves work, but there is no minimum. A minimum standard is something we create ourselves, and it gets us in the gate of hell, not inside heaven's gate. Um I'm thinking of another verse that we could throw into this discussion. We mentioned it just a week or two ago on the virtual Bible study. But in Luke 17, verse 10, Jesus said, When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Yeah. There's, there's no there's no amount of work that we could do. Where you want to set the where you want to set the bar? It's not in the right spot. It's it's just not in the right spot. If you've set a bar at any place less than all your heart, soul, and mind, you said it too late. All right, uh, Vaughn is uh, driving back from East Tennessee on his listening on his phone. He's lost his connection. Heck, can't get back on. Hope uh, hopefully that works out, Vaughn, where you can get back on. Um, and then Philip is in the chat room says, "We live in a culture and a society where people expect to have things handed to them. In other words, as discussing on the show, the bare minimum to obtain things even is spiritual maturity." 
uh, you know that maybe that is a, an outcropping of our our culture in general. The uh, you know the take the easy road uh, society that we live in, where we're not going to try and exert uh, any more effort than we have to. Uh, maybe that's rubbing off on us spiritually. Certainly, thank you for that, Philip. Guest forty eight twenty nine. Can you go to the extreme where it is detrimental to your friends and family? Could you go to the extreme of in your spiritual service to where it would be detrimental to your friends and family? What do you think about that, Josh? Could you uh, go too far? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, as far as what he's saying about going too far, I think he's uh, I think he's getting at, you know, uh, the opposite of the bare minimum. But, I mean, could you go too far and, and be in too religious? Is that, is that what he's yeah, getting at? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how could... How it seems could, like an oxymoron to some yeah, extent. Yeah, I mean, how could you serve God so much that uh, it's going that to harm my family? Well, because that would be not serving God if you did it. For, okay, for instance... <clears throat> I'm so devoted to serving God, I'm going to quit my job and not worry about making a living to feed my family because I'm devoting myself completely to God. And I'm sorry I can't work. I'm sorry I can't clothe and feed my family. But I've just got to serve God. That's not serving God. That would not be. In other words, people would say, well, he's gone to the. No, he has left what's right. He's, yeah. Because if First Timothy five verse eight says, "A man provide not for his own; he's denied the faith, is worse yeah. than an infidel." Yeah, that's God not God's God. plan. In other words, that's a man invented concept. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. he he wouldn't be on he he would be off target completely. Right, right. But so so if it's a man made, uh, and that brings a passage to mind. But if it's a man made uh, uh, c- constraint or. Uh, pa- uh, pattern that we're following and certainly that could be wrong but if it's following god's plan and submitting to god's will then certainly it uh, couldn't be uh you couldn't go too far with that if you're doing what god really says to do yeah Yeah. it reminds me of colossians 2 verse 23 which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body and in in any uh and uh not in any honor uh, to the satisfying of the flesh or uh, so th- this idea of we're going to make up our own rules and it make it look religious then that cur- certainly could be detrimental and then he clarified i need to clarify something else guess 1425 says god never said if there was no afterlife this is how you should live no i i didn't i didn't want to come across that way but what god did say is that and then philip sends in deuteronomy 6 verse 24 that his commandments are for our good always so that's why i'm saying if there were no after afterlife God's commands are for our good now and in eternity. Yeah. That's my point. But no, yeah. God never did say that you ought to live this way if there is no afterlife. No, exactly right. Okay. Uh, okay. You said you got uh, my my chat room went dead there for a while. I had to re. I had to. Uh, I think we're up. I think we're up and going. Uh, uh, Jared asked a question in the chat room along this idea of being too religious. How do you explain Ecclesiastes seven verse sixteen? Be not over right, or be not righteous over much. Neither make thyself over wise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? I think you've dealt with that before, Jacob. I have been asked that question before, um, and I think we need to look at the uh, perspective there that uh, Solomon's using. Yeah, when we've studied the book of Ecclesiastes, we've we've noted that uh, you've got to be really careful in the mindset of Solomon in each particular segment of the book. There's uh, Most commentators break the book of Ecclesiastes down into what they call four sermons because Solomon identifies himself as the preacher at the start of the book. And there's at least, whether you call them four sermons or four segments or four essays, each of those essays has a part where he just views life from the perspective of a man on earth without God. Yeah. But then he, the, the second half of each of those sermons or essays talks about life with God in the perspective. And you've got to know which one of those is under consideration. And, and that quote from Ecclesiastes 7 is in one of those segments where, where Solomon is just speaking as a, as a man with no perspective of God. We look at verse 17, then verse that follows, Be not much over wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before the time? Does that mean... 
Tom says it's going to be a little wicked. I mean, God says, don't tell me too wicked. You'll, you'll mess yourself up. But it'd be a little wicked, you know, yeah. cheat on your taxes. What proves tell your too much lies. Yeah. proves nothing at all. That's and, right. But I have heard, and you have heard, Jacob, Christians use this. Oh, don't get too overboard there, man. Yeah, don't, you, you object don't go to too something. Yeah, you're just sort of fanatical. And Solomon yeah, said yeah. not to be fanatical. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, you mentioned Vaughn had lost his connection, but Vaughn had sent in an email about our previous discussion on comparing ourselves to others. He says another reason we cannot measure ourselves against others. He says, I believe it says that to whom much is given, much is expected. Oh, good point. So I'm comparing myself to a fellow in poverty-stricken Central Africa. And I gave $5 and, to that homeless person. And he, that guy doesn't even, he own, he don't even have $5. He hadn't given $5 in his whole life. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah good point, Vaughn. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, that okay. was by email. Okay. So we're trying to keep track, keep up with our emails, so send us a... Send us an email, or we're kind of especially watching the chat room. Get in Let's that do the room. bare minimum standard here on our email uh, or that came in earlier from Kent. Uh, when we use the minimum, I already got that. You I got, did, I got did you Kent. Get, you you got did get. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, I was yeah. distracted with other things there. All right, let's let's move on. Listen to your own program, I guess. Huh? Oh man, it's time for a break. We're not going to get this done if we don't hurry. We got to move on. Let's yeah. get a break. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're going fast right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Occasionally we hear complaints from some Christians that they just aren't being put to work or they just aren't being used. What is generally meant is that these individuals are not frequently being called upon to word prayers during the public worship, or perhaps they're rarely scheduled to help pass the Lord's Supper, or it may be that their opportunities to lead singing or or give a talk are few and far between. Let us plainly state that all of these activities are good and important, and we want to encourage every male Christian to grow and develop in all these vital roles. But having said that, we would also urge everyone to realize that these things do not, in and of themselves, constitute full and complete service to the Lord. There are so many other opportunities to serve in areas where we urgently need your help. Jesus said in John 4, verse 35, lift up your eyes and look. The fact of the matter is, you are surrounded by lost souls that need to be taught about salvation. Your own knowledge of the scriptures needs to be increased by diligent study and personal preparation. You are needed to help encourage and strengthen some of your brethren who are weak and struggling. Do you get the point? Many opportunities await the humble, faithful servant who is looking to work for the Lord. Don't be deceived into thinking that if you are seldom used in the public assemblies, you are therefore not being used effectively. And likewise, don't fall into the trap of thinking that if you are frequently called upon to pray, lead singing, or wait on the table, you are therefore necessarily doing all of the real work that God desires you to do. Duties performed during the worship assemblies are important, but they are not the real test of your service to the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And uh, we're back. That, that that spot you just heard is about seven years old now. Those boys are both driving, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, but they, hopefully you're still listening. Uh, we're glad you're on the program tonight. And we remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We encourage you to visit with us uh, or find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We said earlier in the program we want your comments. If you have questions or comments, send them in, questions at collegeview. Com. Talking about spiritual maturity and the standards we use uh, to measure those. Here's another faulty one, and we we really kind of covered this already. We'll just talk briefly about this. I want I don't want to be fanatical. I want to have some religion, but I don't want to be considered a religious fanatic. I want to have I want to be somewhere in between. You know those mm-hmm. two extremes. And, and again, I I think this would go to the point that you know the Lord wants us to be a hundred percent committed, and you can't you can't in other words. In fact, the matter is, if you're living the way God wants you to live, you people are going to consider you a fanatic. And if no one has ever thought of you as a religious fanatic, I would argue you're not doing nearly enough. Yeah, uh, absolutely right. Uh, because, well, the standard is so low that yeah. if you, you ought to be so far beyond that that uh, certainly folks would think that. Uh, in First Peter chapter 4, verse 4, uh, Peter said people will think it strange when you run not with them to the same excessive riot. You, you, p- people ought to look at you and say, you're strange. 
Yeah. People of the world, we're talking about, people of the world should think you're strange if you're living at all like God wants you to live. And James chapter 4, verse 4 says, Know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be an enemy, a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Um, you know, we've got to get over this idea of the fact that pe- we want people to like us and to think that we're okay. Because God says it's impossible uh, for the world to think everything we do is fine. Yeah. And so get get over this idea that you can sort of... You're going to navigate this life by just sort of finding that seam where people don't think you're too this way or that way. Yeah, you know, I think this is especially, well, we don't want to get too far off of this, but I think parents, you know, I, uh, how often have you heard parents say, I just, don't want, I just don't want people to think my kids are different. I don't want my kids to be different. You don't want your kids to be different. Are you kidding me? Look at what kids of the world are doing. You better hope your kids are different. Uh, than what's going on in this world. Uh, we've got to get over that fear of being different. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jesus said the disciple is not above his master, neither the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Uh, and then uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 40 the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm looking for the one. If they hated me, they hate you. But, uh, yeah, the idea is don't, don't be uh, under the illusion that uh, if they didn't like Jesus, they killed Jesus, that they'll somehow but they, but like But they're going to like me. Yeah, yeah you know, I can get along with this. I, I, can, I can fit in. Kit no, said, not going to happen. Kit said the balance of not too religious and no religion at all fails to understand the acceptable religion New Testament Christianity must permeate the totality of our lives in the ways authorized by the New Testament. Permeate. I like permeate. that word. Good word. Okay. Gail says, usually this is a problem for people when they're using a standard other than the Bible for the definition of religion. Uh, James one twenty seven, pure religion, undefiled before God and our fathers, is to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. All right. I think that's good. All right. Let's grab another one of these faulty ways people try to measure themselves. Jacob, you, or you may watch that chat room. I think mine's not working right. No, I still got mine up here. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I, I put in, in the list, what do you think about the checklist concept? In other words, I want to find out what the requirements are. And maybe even write them down in a list. And then if I can check off everything on the list, I'm surely I'm okay. If I have checked off every requirement, every duty, every necessity, every command, if I can just check them off, you know, checking them off, then that, that then I must be all right with God because I've, I've hit all the marks. You know, it, uh, it gets back to our, that heart thing uh, again. Um, when we do that, it clearly is an indication that our heart is not right, that we're not seeking God with all of our heart, uh, loving him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And uh, Josh? Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, when Paul wrote that, as you have therefore opportunity, let's do good unto all men, but especially unto those who are of the household of faith. So let's say I've got a checklist. I'm going to do one good. i got one good thing on my I, list this week I can do. Well, then an opportunity arises. I don't I, have to. I have opportunity. I need to do that. But I already checked it off. I've already done my good deed for the week, so I'm not going to do that. I think you're right. We'll get ourselves in trouble. You know, the Pharisees, Jesus addressed the Pharisees in Matthew 23, and they had this idea. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. This is Matthew 23:23. 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Well, that was garden herbs. Your whole harvest of, of those garden herbs would be tiny, but they were careful enough to make sure they gave 10% of even those tiny harvest of garden herbs. They did that. They could check that off. They only paid our tithes, even of these garden herbs. But he says, you've omitted the weightier matters, the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Jesus said, well, you've careful to check off your list. But the problem is your heart's not right. That's right. We're talking about being a heart problem. If you have that attitude, well, here's an illustration of it. It gets back to the heart, and their heart was not right. And uh, certainly it is a problem. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the number to call. We'd love to hear from you. How do you gauge your spiritual maturity? What are some faulty ways that people are doing it? We're about to get into the correct ways, but uh, clearly. Gail, Gail says a checklist mentality tends to leave out that this is a way of life and a way to be. Jesus came to give life so that we could have it abundantly, John 10.10. 10. 
having a full, joyful life can't be attained from a checklist, only from being at peace in a relationship with him that gives us joy. And Kent says we need to use the totality of New Testament teaching regarding all issues as, in, as the inspired checklist. If we formalize our own list, we will either leave something out or add to what God has given us. Yeah, I think that's all right. right. All uh, right. I think we've probably covered those bases pretty well. Um and there are probably some other things we could add to that. But let's let's move on to the – we're going to run out of time. We don't get started looking at some of the things that we definitely do need to do. We, okay. Uh, you know, what what are some of the things that I should use as a measuring stick concerning, considering my spiritual maturity? We started out the program saying that God does expect us to measure our maturity, and it is something we ought to do anyways because – uh, it's uh, it's important to us that are we be spiritually healthy. So how do we measure that? How do we gauge that? You know, in Hebrews six verse one, the Hebrew writer says, "Therefore, leaving the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection." The perfection there, we would say, we would use the word maturity. He's in other words, we should go past just the basics, the first principles, and move on to maturity. Um, in Matthew five forty eight. Jesus said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Uh, and so we do need to uh, um, desire this this level of spiritual maturity. And we, we, need, to, we need to make sure that we're, we're getting there. Okay. You know, we're not there. We never will be ultimately there in this lifetime. But we ought to be striving to move up that ladder in spiritual maturity. The remainder of the program tonight then ought to help us to get an idea of what are some things I can look at in my life to gauge this maturity and my progress toward that ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, the first thing that we mentioned in our list was that we need to know uh, we need to know and properly apply God's Word. Okay. Nobody is spiritually mature that has not applied him or herself to being a good student of the Word of God. Right. You got to know it, and the only way you're going to know it, you're not going to. You can't. You can't put a Bible under your pillow at night and think you'll learn it by osmosis. You have to apply yourself to know the Word of God. If if I wanted to be a a, a really good what uh, a piano player. Uh, I've got to apply myself. You know, I've got to work at that. I've got to learn the, what's involved, and I've got yeah. to prep, work at it, work at it, work at it, practice, practice, practice. I'm not, you don't get to be a great pianist by wishing it was so. Yeah. You don't, let's say you were going to go into some type of profession. Maybe you wanted to be a doctor, and you, you just show up for work one day at the doctor's office, say, I'm here, and you, what, you, did you, what, kind of, what kind of studies have you done? I, I just know it. I, I I just got it. I don't have to study it. Yeah. I mean, but well, people do that with their spiritual life. You know? Yeah. I'm showing up to serve God. Well, what do you, what what have you studied? What do you know about it? Well, I, I think I'm just overall I'm just a good person. I think I got this. I don't need to study it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but also notice it's not just to know, but it's also to properly apply. Right. You know, I've got to I've got to put it into practice. Uh, in James one. Uh, verse 22 beginning, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And it goes on in that passage to describe that kind of deception of a person who, uh, he knows, but he doesn't apply it. So we gotta know it and we gotta put it into practice. And so I'm gonna measure my spiritual maturity. One way I could do it is, am I a better Bible student now than I was at this point five years ago? Right. Ten years ago? Do I know my Bible better? And do I feel like I am putting into practice the things that I've learned from the Bible better than I did five years ago or ten years ago? Those are real, valuable measurements of spiritual maturity. Do and and what are my plans? What is my what is my uh, strategy for learning more? Do I have any? practice in place or do i have any plan in place for achieving that or am i just going to sort of take it as it comes yeah in hebrews 5 uh, the hebrew writer condemns the some that he was writing to he says in hebrews 5 beginning verse 11 when the time or when the time or when the time ye ought to be teachers ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of god and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat 
He talks about, in the same text, he talks about those who are babes. He talks about those who are full age. Uh, but notice, I think it's interesting that there's an expectation there. There's a time when you ought to be able to teach someone else. And he's rebuking them because he says, you really, you need to be taught yourself when you have reached a point in time when you ought to be able to be teaching others. So it's clear that there was a growth process there about knowledge that they weren't hitting. They, they, they were not pleasing in regards to their their knowledge level. All right. Uh, and it's about that time of year, a little bit early, but we should go ahead and let our listeners know that you're working on a Bible reading calendar again for 2017. Yeah, we've already, already got some printed up, in fact. So we should mention that. Send us, uh, send us uh, an email and give us your snail mail address. And we'll send you a printed copy of our 2017 Bible reading. Free of charge. Free of charge. We'll also have it up on our website. But if you'd like a hard printed copy, send us your... So there's your, there's your plan for 2017. Part right? of it, anyway. Part of it. How you're going to grow and how you're going to measure your maturity. Uh, you're going to make a plan there to study I'm, the I'm really more. concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned that uh, there are a lot of Christians who cannot explain their faith. Right. And who 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 are not able to answer some basic first principle kind of questions, and that's that's got to you got to you got to be concerned that you're not where you need to be in regards to spiritual maturity if that is descriptive of you. All right, so make a plan uh, to 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 do better in that in the coming year, and uh, let us help with a Bible reading calendar. All right, all right. Uh, a second. Let's see where are we? Oh, let's grab our last break, and then we'll move quickly to the top of the hour with these other points. We were but going to as talk we go to the break, Kent says we must know the truth. John eight thirty two. We must also properly apply such to our daily lives. This is the acid test of our faith. Romans six sixteen. One minus the other brings disobedience and sin. James four seventeen. Thank you for that, Kent. And we look forward to your comments. Philip in the chat room says, not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I not, do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If Philip Paul, references this If there. Paul could say, I'm not there yet, i got to keep pressing on, certainly that would be applicable to all of us, for uh, sure. And maybe that's a measure of maturity as well, as realizing that uh, you've got a long way to go. Uh, we'll talk about that as we continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Only about half of Americans, 49%, said that sex outside the traditional marriage is a sin, while 44% said it isn't a sin. Women, 53%, are more likely than men, 45%, to call extramarital sex sinful, while people with bachelor's degrees, 44%, and graduate degrees, 40%, were less likely than those with high school diplomas or less, 56%, to say that extramarital sex is sinful. That information is via PJ Media. The Word of God says in Matthew 5, beginning verse 27, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back, and there's your proof that you can't use those around you as your comparison for spiritual maturity. Right. I mean, okay. Wow. Wow. All right. Half, half of Americans think uh, that uh, sexual intimacy outside of marriage is okay. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. There's, 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 there's your standard society. if you want it, yeah. but it's not going to get you where you want to be. Right. Okay. Uh, a second measure of spiritual maturity we think is a is a good biblically proper standard of, of maturity is steadfastness in service to the Lord. You know, uh, an immature person runs hot and cold. Yeah. I'm real, real excited about these things right now, and it's all I want to talk about. But you catch me next week, and... 
I'm on to something else, you know, and I've kind of forgotten all that, all all my talking, all my planning, all my raw uh, raw uh, discussion, uh, and and now you know, you know that's sort of what a that's what an immature child does, you know. You talk to him this week, he wants to be a fireman. You talk to him next week, he wants to be an airplane <laughs> pilot. You yeah. know, you talk to him the week after that, he wants to be you know a, a policeman. Uh, why does he keep changing his mind? Why is because he's immature. He's a child. Yeah. But spiritually speaking, that same sort of thing happens, you know. And, and people uh, don't—they're not steady. They're, and and the word steadfast. And Kent mentions the word steadfast uh, from hedreos. Uh, the Greek word is properly defined as being firm or immovable in our living service and work for the Lord. First Corinthians fifteen verse fifty-eight. To fail in this would bring about unfaithfulness. Good point, Kent. I'm reminded of the brethren in Corinth in Second Corinthians uh, 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God in the churches in Macedonia. I'm sorry. How that in great trial of the affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality. Uh, they were in difficult times, and yet they were keeping on, keeping on. Yeah, and so that's that's really important. I, yeah. Uh, when you if when you think about people you know Christians you've known the people you really admire and the re, the people that stand out in your mind as really strong Christians that you've known they were not, they were always there they were always dependable you you could always count on them if there was work to be done you knew they would be a part of the work that needed to be done it, it, just the very the very business of attending the services. If they were missing, you knew there was something wrong because they were just always there. What's the word? Steadfast. They yeah. were, you know, they didn't run hot and cold. They were always right on, steadily moving forward. You think about folks who uh, dealt with uh, serious trials in their lives and challenges, and uh, how they dealt with them. They set their jaw and they kept on going, rather than allowing that to to rattle them into. To divert them from the service to God, they remained steadfast, and they were certainly an example to those around them. And we need to make sure that we're setting that same example that we are uh, making sure that we do have that approach to our Christianity. Yep. Uh, let's go quickly to another a good standard of measure. Uh, how to measure your yep. spiritual maturity? One of the ways that you can measure a man or a woman, for that matter, who is spiritually mature is how well are they able to control their tongue? Yeah, you know that might, the, that might not be something that's on the top of your list, but uh, scriptures tell us very plainly that. Yeah, James true. chapter three, beginning verse two. In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. And the text goes on. But the word perfect man there is mature. He's a mature man. The man who can control his tongue. If he doesn't make offense in words. He's a he's a mature man, and if he's able to do that, if he's able to control his tongue, then he'll be able to do control every other aspect of his life too. And can we say that James chapter three is not just limited to the four letter words? Oh yeah, I mean it, that, that's what we immediately think. Oh well, yeah, you know I don't I don't let off those I don't talk that foul language at the workplace like those other people. That's not that's not the limitation of what James three is talking about here. How do we use our tongue? What do we talk about? Who do we talk about? How do we talk about others? We need to make sure that we're using our tongue appropriately. Yeah, I, I don't ever, I don't ever use four-letter words, but I gotta admit, I'm a pretty bad gossip, you know. Yeah. Well, then I'm not controlling my tongue, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, or I, I don't, I don't curse or swear, but I, I do say a lot of hateful, bitter things that discourage people. Well, then I'm not controlling my tongue. I, you know, I like to murmur and complain that that weather gets bad or, uh, you know, the taxes are too high or, uh, well, didn't like what was on the menu tonight. I don't like, and I, and I don't like the, I don't like the preacher. I'm sick of the elders. I'm, you know, uh, I'm not, if I can't control my tongue and act in more positive ways than that, I'm not a mature person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, in regards to this, uh, Kent mentions James three for controlling the tongue something all Christians must work on diligently. He says that includes himself. It includes us all. I think exactly right. And uh, Philip in the chat room says, lack of spiritual maturity has led to a lack of men qualified to be elders. Amen to that, Philip. He says, but that's another discussion for another virtual. I'll <laughs> say, well, maybe a suggestion there, yeah, uh, yeah. Philip. We might need to, to, to address that subject. But thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Um, how much time we got? Oh, we're running out of time. Let's go quickly yeah. to... Uh, uh, 
the matter of love. A mature person is able to demonstrate love and understand when we talk about love, we're not about we're not talking about romantic love. I, unfortunately, in our day and time, uh, about the only way yep. modern people think about love is in terms of romance. Yeah, we're talking about true brotherly love uh, that we ought to have, and we we would display that love for our own brethren. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples indeed, if you have love one for another. Uh, it ought to be obvious. Our brotherly love. You know, and, and to me, I've got to say, I think through the years, one of the most discouraging things that, that, that I've witnessed and experienced is a lack of brotherly love. Brethren can't even treat one another decently. And when, when brethren act that way, they are not acting as mature servants of God. Uh, even in controversy, we still need to demonstrate love. And unfortunately, uh, to the extent that we don't do that, we're demonstrating we're not mature people. Right. But this love extends to our brethren, to our families, to our neighbors. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, beginning verse 43, we won't take time to read all that, but Jesus said that uh, we should even love our enemies. Uh, uh, and he said, uh, notice in, in Matthew chapter 5, right at the end there, he said, uh, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. One of the, one of the elements there that Jesus said of having that perfection or maturity is even being able to love those who treat us wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the the person who's who's vengeful uh, and full of strife is not a mature person. Right. John put it this way in 1 John 4, verse 20, If a man says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who doesn't love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love a God whom he has not seen? Uh, and this commandment we have from him, he that, that that he who loveth God love his brother also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very yeah. simple. How can you say that you're you're where you need to be spiritually if you don't love your brother as you should? Kent says uh, the term for love agape refers to an attitude of practicing good toward all individuals, even those that hate us. Such is not an emotion, but rather an attitude that governs our actions. Galatians six ten does. Uh, does place an individual obligation upon me to practice generosity to those who are in need. However, such also mandates that I demonstrate that which is good to all individuals, especially brethren, even in situations where kindness and love needs to be shown outside the realm of financial need. Uh, I think it's a good observation. Thank you, Ken. Exactly right. All right. So uh, uh, how am I doing? I, I want to know how am I doing spiritually? Mm-hmm. Well, how are you doing about that? That love thing. Yeah. You know, are, you, are you are you able? Got room there? Can yeah. you improve in that, or are you improving in that? Uh, are you a more loving individual in that in the term of that agape? I think that's a very important point that Kent makes. That this is agape love, practicing good toward all individuals. How am I doing in that? And that's not a feeling. You know, a lot of people in our society is just get some kind of feeling that you that you can't control. This type of love you can control. You have full you command, control of it. You, know, you can't command someone to love another person romantically. Yeah. But this is a commanded love. Therefore, as Kent said, it's not an emotion, but it's an attitude that governs our actions. Yeah, you don't just fall in love with your brethren. Yeah. In fact, you have to work at it for a lot of your brethren. Well, some of us are just not lovable people, unfortunately. Yeah. And But we still got to be loved, right? Yeah. Josh, well, you got a, got a thought? Yeah, I think it's a choice you got to make each and every day. You know, you got to choose to act and and choose to show love, just like you're talking about. It's just not a feeling that is hot and cold, but you have to continue to make the choice, even yeah. the people that are your enemies. Colossians three verse thirteen says, "Forbearing one another, forgiving one another." You don't you don't forbear um, an ice cream cone, Josh, or you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't forbear uh, the things that are pleasant in this life. You forbear things that are difficult, and uh, we have to love even when it's difficult. All right, and then uh, real quickly, uh, oh, I gotta go. Uh, you gotta still be growing. The mature person realizes he's still got room to grow, and and we already referenced this from Philippians three. Paul said, "I hadn't got there yet, and I gotta 
keep striving for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So one of the signs of a spiritually mature person is that he knows he's still got room to grow and is working on that. To that, Kent says spiritual growth needs to be an ongoing process as long as we have physical life and mental capacity, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. Thank you for that, Kent. And then Gail added a couple points that I think are good. Uh, the spiritually mature person controls his thoughts. Uh, how how good are you at controlling your thoughts? Reference Philippians 4, 8, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Yes. Sometimes it can feel like there's so much to do that we feel overwhelmed and life is just uh, uh, just to get on with the routine, routine of life. But every action we do, including loving the brethren and studying God's word, starts with our thoughts. So if we guard our hearts and focus on our thoughts, our actions will fall into place. One way to help monitor our thoughts is to review our actions. For example, if we have outbursts of wrath or we yell at the kids or the dog from time to time, are we lacking humility? Can we apologize? Do better. I right. like that. Thank Control you. your thoughts. Thought we've said so often on the virtual Bible study, thoughts precede actions. You've got to control your thoughts. And then uh, fear not. Gail says fear not. The Bible says to fear not. When trying to control our thoughts, sometimes fear can be the hardest thing. Even New Testament Christians like the Apostle Peter had trouble with the fear of man. We can realize how much God loves us and that he will take care of us, and we can be like Paul and go and go to Christians when we have something against them instead of fearing them and being scared that they will get mad at us. So fear not. Uh, act in faith. And Gail uh, concludes with thank you. And we say thank you to Gail and thank you to our other respondents tonight. Some good comments and good feedback from our listeners. We appreciate that very much. All right. And, uh, well, uh, any closing comments from you, Josh, tonight? Yeah, uh, got, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Second Peter 3, verse 18 says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Got to grow. We're commanded to grow. Commanded to grow. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, Philip in the chat room says, one of the qualifications of elders is not a novice. That is one who is uh, not a spiritually immature person. we got we got to have mature people if we're going to be able to fulfill God's design for the church to have Elders, elders have got to be mature people. We've got to have some people working on this maturity thing. So well, we, we need have... everyone to be mature. Exactly. Uh, as a, just uh, when it gets down to it, uh, not just a certain few. Uh, the church will benefit the more that we individually can grow. You know, if the church is made up of people, the only way the church is going to grow is if I grow as an individual. Yeah. Uh, so I can't just sit back. Oh, the church is weak. I wish the church would grow. Well, I can, I can, I can fix that myself. If, if, if I'm a stronger person at this time next year. Then the church will have grown that much in that extent. Yeah, exactly right. All right, good discussion, Dad. Thanks, uh, thank Jacob. you for your time tonight. Thanks for all our listeners out there. We appreciate you listening. Hope you benefited from our study of, and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.